When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So I'm excited to dive into the questions this week. The first is a preschool question that is about struggling with expectations for behavior. The second is a sleep question, but one I've never tackled before. So this is new for all of us and I'm super excited to share that one as well. So I'll get right to it. Shelby wrote, Hi, Erin. I listen to your podcast every day on my commute home from work. I love your wisdom. I have a two and a half year old daughter who is very sweet, happy, and strong willed with an energetic and passionate spirit. She attends a Reggio Amelia preschool every day from nine to five. And since the start of the new year, her teachers leave daily remarks telling us she's working on improving her listening ears. We practice listening skills at home and praise when she does a good job listening, but we lose control once she's at school. She has a hard time listening to the rules and paying attention because she's too excited and has a hard time sitting for 30 minutes during a morning circle. She has also recently begun running places when she should be walking in the halls, etc. So now she gets remarks about how she should use walking feet. She's in a class with three-year-olds, so part of me feels like she has too much pressure to behave exactly like them. On the flip side, she definitely doesn't always listen or behave correctly. We have talked about using our listening ears at school every morning, and I even pretend to be a doctor and check her ears with an octoscope to make sure they're working properly, and she loves it. However, that said, I'm afraid my constant reminding and nagging is going to impact her negatively versus positively when my morning or afternoon message is always about discipline. We don't get much time together during the week, so I want the time we do spend to be positive and uplifting and supportive. So it pains me to always be reminding her to do better, essentially. I'm so torn on what the best thing to do is. What can we do better at home so that she's successful at school? Thank you. Now, Shelby is a member, so I sent her a response right away, and the following is what I shared with her. Honestly, I feel like the expectation of her are just not age appropriate. She's two and a half. Two and a half. This means the entire world is so brand new for her. At five, and for most kids, even four, she could be expected to sit for 30 minutes. But this is a lot to expect of a two and a half year old. And honestly, I'm surprised to hear of this expectation from a Reggio based school. My experience with Reggio and other developmentally based preschools is that there's an invitation to participate, but not an expectation. 
Now, some kids are great at sitting and listening early on, but others are not, and that should be okay. The same thing goes with listening skills. She is so young. This is a lot to expect at her age. So I would go back and listen to the temperament class, especially the highly active section. There's four sections in each trait for working with children in that trait. So highly active, there's four sections, and one of those sections is on school and learning. So listen to that section and the section in particular to take some notes so you can then talk with the school about this expectation and how they can work with her to allow her to do what she needs, giving her an invitation, but not making it an expectation. Now, I agree that when you say home isn't going to have a lot of impact at school, if you work on it at home because you're helping her to increase listening skills, that's one thing, just to do it for fun and do some games, which I do go over in teaching kids to listen. There's some fun games in that class that you could pull in and make it fun. But trying to teach a message at home that's coming down because of something that happened earlier in the day from school or reminding her beforehand isn't going to stick, especially at two and a half. So I really just feel like this expectation is too high to begin with. So in general, I am not a fan of schools doing what I call tattling to parents, but especially preschools. You know, it's one thing for them to say, this is an area where she has some challenges, but we're working on it together and we're doing some fun things and here's what we're doing. But the daily reminders to parents that their child can't sit still or is constantly off task with an expectation that anything a parent says or does at home is not going to have any kind of an effect. Even in early elementary school years, this isn't helpful to anyone. You know, my son's teachers kept telling me this in TK and kindergarten, and I would get pretty annoyed about it. You know, it would have been okay if they had come to me and said, he has some trouble sitting still, but we're working on it. Or he has some trouble speaking out of turn or those types of things. Because there's really nothing I can do at home for a behavior during the school day, especially in those young ages, TK, kindergarten, first grade, even second, those types of behaviors are difficult. What he needed was reminders in that moment, not at the dinner table or even on his way out the door in the morning because he will forget all about it about an hour from then. And I also just wanna add that attention span will stretch out as they age, but preschool years, it's pretty tough. It's usually around four to five where that attention span will spread out. They'll be able to sit and listen for 20 to 30 minutes at a time. And it would be okay for the teacher to say in that age range from four or above to say, we're having some trouble at school with this. How does this work at home? Is your child good at this at home? Then you could assess how it's going at home. I mean, you know if your child's doing a good job of listening at home or not. And if not, then that's something that you can address at home. Now at home, you're probably not gonna have your child sit and listen to you for circle time for 30 minutes, but there are other things that you can do at home to work on it, like playing the listening games. Does your child listen when you ask them to do something do it right away. That's something you can work on. You can work on stretching out their attention span by playing certain games and playing them for five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. You can work on those skills at home if your child is struggling both at home and at school. But if it's going well at home and it's just not going well at school, then that's just something that has to be worked at in the classroom alone. You know, once kids hit maybe third grade, fourth grade and on, then yes, reminders at home are definitely helpful. 
your son's work is pretty sloppy and we've been working on it, but can you help me out at home and remind him? Or can you go over his homework with him and remind him to slow down? Your daughter's struggling with some organization skills and we're working on that at school, but can you help out and work on this at home? Absolutely, those are helpful. But those little behavior things where they're speaking out of turn, they're forgetting their manners in that moment where they're not able to sit still or focus on the task, those have to be done in that moment. Those are things that are more common in those younger ages anyway. So those are things that they really just need to work on in school. Now, most kids do settle down by first grade, especially girls, but at Shelby's daughter's age, she should be allowed to go and do and explore to her heart's content. Now, one of the things that I recommend to parents with the issue of kids running in the parking lots or through stores, and the teachers at school can do this, is offering choices about how to walk. Let's sing a song while we walk. What song should we sing? Or Let's waddle like a penguin or stalk like a lion. Which one would you like to do? These get kids engaged and are much more fun than using walking feet. Preschool teachers are usually pretty creative and adept at these type of tools, but this one may be new, and so mentioning these types of tools can help her find some more positive ways of engaging her young learners in following rules while also having some fun. Now, parents who are interested in finding out more about finding a preschool that's a good fit for your child and family, you can see the class on choosing a preschool where I cover different types of philosophies, things to look out for, both positive and any red flags during a tour, and all the questions to ask the school before making a commitment. So you can find that in the class, again, choosing a preschool on the website, yourvillageonline.com, under the education section. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Dunn can help, two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow, three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy to digest formula. 
In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So next is our sleep question. I'm writing regarding my four-year-old daughter. We've always struggled with sleep with her. She finally started sleeping through the night at 12 months. Around 18 months, she started waking with what we thought were probably night terrors. They would go in stretches and then she wouldn't have them for a month or so. These ended about a year ago. But recently, she started waking up again, screaming and flailing around, kicking her legs and arms. She's pretty inconsolable. These episodes last one and a half to two hours. Before, she wouldn't remember them in the morning, but now she does. My husband and I have tried everything we know to comfort her and help her, but she just screams. It's very stressful. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Dana. So Dana, these do sound exactly like night terrors because night terrors are characterized as episodes of screaming, intense fear, and flailing while still asleep. Also, the being inconsolable is another sign. And according to the Mayo Clinic, sleep terrors affect almost 40% of children at one time or another. While not usually a cause for concern, given the length of her episodes, I think it's really important to take a closer look at this. So first I'm gonna talk about what sleep terrors are, some common causes, and then what to do about them. So sleep terrors and nightmares are called a parasomnia, which is an undesirable behavior or experience during sleep. But sleep terrors, or night terrors as they're sometimes called, are different from nightmares. Because nightmares, the child often wakes up, they usually remember the details, you can console them, calm them down, give them a few minutes, and then put them back to bed. With sleep terrors, the sleeper remains asleep, and not always, but usually doesn't remember them in the morning. They usually happen in the first third to half of the night. Sleep terror episodes can consist of starting off with a scream or a shout. The child may sit up in bed and appear frightened and stare wide-eyed. Even through this, they usually remain asleep. They may kick and thrash about. They may sweat and breathe heavily. They could have a flushed face and dilated pupils and may even get out of bed and run around the house and or act aggressively if they are tried to be restrained. They're usually hard to awaken and if they are, then they're very confused. And they're often inconsolable, just like I said, which is just like what you shared. So this is understandably very scary and difficult for parents to watch their child go through this. Some causes for sleep terrors include sleep deprivation, stress, a sleep schedule disruption, fever, or other conditions that interfere with sleep, like a sleep disordered breathing or restless leg syndrome, mood disorders, and certain medications can also lead to sleep terrors. So you can see the potential issue here and how these could get worse and it can become a bad cycle because if sleep is disrupted by the sleep terror itself, then this can lead to increased sleep terrors because the sleep is being disrupted. Then the same thing with the stress because your child might be coming stressed about because she's remembering them about going to sleep at night, then she's getting less sleep, plus she's dealing with the stress which leads to night terrors. So then she's getting overtired and the cycle can perpetuate itself. 
Now, Dana, you said recently, so I don't know how long these have been happening, and I'm also not sure of the frequency of them, but I'm guessing just by the feel of your email that they're happening fairly regularly. If this is the case, that they're happening with some frequency one to two times a week or more, then I would get a consult with your pediatrician. Now, just even because of the duration alone, one and a half to two hours is a really long session for a sleep terror because they usually last maybe 20 minutes, maybe 40, but this is really long. So I'm gonna get into the information about how to talk with your pediatrician and how and why in a second to make sure you get the attention for this that you need. But first, I wanna talk about some guidelines I recommend on when you would want to bring in a pediatrician for night terrors for any other parents out there who may be experiencing this or who may in the future end up experiencing this so this information is available and keep in mind. If the terrors are increasing in frequency, if they used to happen every few weeks or once a month but now they're every week, if they routinely disrupt sleep of the child and or the family members, if they're causing safety concerns, meaning you're afraid the child will hurt themselves or someone else while they're in the midst of a night terror, or if they're resulting in an issue during the daytime because they're too tired to function due to the disrupted sleep. Now, only one of these would be enough to alert the pediatrician, but if you have two or more, definitely make an appointment and be ready to discuss the frequency, the length, and the other points that I mentioned. If there's a safety concern, if your child is struggling throughout the day because they're too tired, like they're needing an early nap or an extra long nap, your toddler is extra cranky due to being tired, etc., I would start keeping a log. The times that they start and they end, that's the night terrors. Go back over the last few weeks and put those down if you can remember. If your daughter had an episode and you remember the details, write the date, write the length. Also track the bedtime routine and her entire sleep schedule, the time she's falling asleep each night, what time she wakes up in the morning, any napping, any medications taken that day. Even if it's an over-the-counter, mark it down. Also, just a general note about the day. If it's all her normal routine, just note that this was a normal day, whether it's a preschool or whatever her normal day is, write it down. If it's a day where she goes to the park for a play date and you stay for two hours, note that. You just want to track any patterns and anything outside of that pattern as well to see if there's extra stress or activity or something happening that may be triggering these so that you are armed with information when you go to the appointment. When you see your pediatrician, it's important to really share the severity, the effects it's having on her and on the other family members. Some doctors may wanna take a wait and see approach. This is where the sleep blog comes in and your strong advocation for your child and the family. If the sleep log is showing increased frequency, although I think the duration alone is enough, like I said, but really insist on looking further into it and having a plan for treatment before you leave. You want to have your pediatrician look for any underlying conditions. You did say your daughter has never been a great sleeper, so she may have an underlying sleep issue, such as sleep breathing disorder, the restless leg, etc., that I talked about that could be contributing. Then depending on how you feel about the course of diagnosis and treatment, how stressful the experience has been, you could consider pushing to see a sleep specialist 
and even in the near future for getting a sleep study done. And I'm not sure where you live. Um, sleep study labs may not be available where you are, but it's something to consider even if you have to travel to a bigger city, if this continues to be a big issue because sleep is important. It affects her learning ability, her cognitive development. It doesn't mean she's gonna be behind her peers or anything, but it isn't certainly going to help her reach her potential if she's not getting enough sleep. And it not just makes the night times more difficult, it probably makes the day times more difficult too because she's probably gonna be crankier and just more difficult and not able to focus and learn the way that she would if she were getting a really good night's sleep. So this is important. Um, for parents who want to learn more about toddler and child sleep or infant sleep, the cycles, bedtime routines, bedtimes, getting kids to stay in bed, sleeping through the night, about parasomnias like nightmares and night terrors, you can see either of the sleep classes on the website for infants or toddlers and beyond at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. Now, an important note for any parent whose child is having a real struggle that's health related it's okay to get assertive when it comes to their medical care. If you feel like the doctor's office is not being responsive enough, if you need to find a different doctor, that's okay too. As someone with a long history of autoimmune struggles, starting with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis diagnosed at age nine for joint replacements as a result, and then later on Graves' disease and diverticulitis, I've seen my share of doctors and hospital operating rooms. I've had to learn to advocate for my health in my life. I actually had an endocrinologist who wanted to remove my thyroid and I told her no way. And she said, why? It doesn't do anything but regulate metabolism. And I was like, it doesn't do anything but? Like, that's a big but. That's a really big thing. And number two, medical science still has a long way to go before it fully understands the workings of the human body. So you don't know that for sure. Like you don't know what else it does. So I marched out of her office and never saw her again. Shortly after that, my Graves disease went into full remission, never returned. And I've since met a few people who had their thyroids taken out because of this disease or another thyroid disease and cannot manage their weight and have praised me for standing up and saying no and wish they had done the same thing because even with the thyroid replacement hormone medications, it's just not working for them. So it's not just okay, but it's important to advocate for your and your child's health when you feel like something's just not right. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.